call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, so book club. This week's episode is our book club episode with Kathy and Kirsten, and we read Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. I think we had a nice, sweet, cute conversation about it. Um, I love this book. It's one of my favorite books. Um, I could read it over and over again. I have read it over and over again. If you read along, I hope you enjoyed it. If you read it for the first time, I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't want to read it, you can always watch the PBS miniseries, which is, I think, six episodes, about an hour each. It's fantastic, and it's almost verbatim, the book. I mean, they leave very little out of that miniseries. So if you don't want to read the book, you can... You can watch that. I listened to it on audiobook as well, and it was wonderful. So um, lots of ways to get that content if you want it. Next book club or book club for next time. Oh, I closed my notebook. Dang it. It's called I'm Just Happy to Be Here. It is a memoir. I'm Just Happy to Be Here. So if you want to join us for that, please do. We'll be uh, book clubbing that in June sometime. Thank you for coming back every week. Thank you for all your emails. Thank you for your podcast episode suggestions. I uh, I always write them down and I try to work on them. You know, I like to talk to people that I know about stuff. Not that I'm not open to talking to people I don't know, but um, sometimes it's hard to find someone who knows something about the subject matter you suggest, but please don't stop suggesting. I'll come across them at some point. Um, but anyway, I hope you enjoy this week's uh, episode, a book club, Pride and Prejudice. Thanks for joining us. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. I'm okay. Ladies. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Yeah. Are you awake? Like what time zone are you in? I don't know. <laughs> Pacific, I guess. Um, hold on. My chair is swiveling sideways. Um, you know, our good friend Sandy gave me some good advice about international travel. She said to sleep on your flight when you should be asleep in your destination. So if you're flying when you should be awake, you should not sleep, even if you're tired. And then that way, when you land, you are on your way to being in that time zone. So um, most of my flight, I should have been awake. So I didn't sleep a lot on my flight. But that meant I went to bed at like 1030 last night. So and slept until Mona started barking at four. (laughs) But if Mona had not (laughs) screwed the pooch. I would have been fine. Mona, something's going on with Mona. I'm actually going to take her to the vet. I'm a little concerned. You know, she's been in um, 
heart failure for a year now, I guess. And I think we're, we, I think we've moved into a different phase. She's kind of panting all night and she's going, and then she'll start barking. And uh, she doesn't want to be left alone. So she follows somebody from room to room to room and just barks at them until they pet her. And either she's gone full on into dementia or this heart problem is causing her a lot of pain. I mean, he told me it would happen, but I think we may have moved to phase two, which was not good. I mean, Georgia told me when I was gone that she'd been barking constantly, but I didn't really, you know, I didn't really understand it till, till I got back. So I think she's hurting. That's too bad. Poor girl. Yeah, no, I felt really bad. And I felt bad for being upset with her because I was so tired. I was like, <laughs> could you just wait till tomorrow? Can we start this at six? Why 4 a.m.? And Georgia told me she's been doing it every day at 4 a.m. So, and the heart condition usually gets worse at night. So, so well. Um, I got rave reviews about your composter uh, Girl Scout meeting. Isla said that was super fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She loved it. Our composter is right in front of my kitchen sink. My daughter has not remembered to even look at it since our last meeting. <laughs> so maybe someone else didn't have the same impression. Oh, really? I mean, they liked it. I think it was fun, you know. I have no sense of these Zoom meetings. What's what's fun, what's relevant, what's useful. Like I've just lost all sense. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Well, I think anything with their hands, you know, yep, is good. Well, she said it was really, really fun. It was yeah. a fun meeting and she liked it and she's been putting scraps in her composter. Oh, yeah. So, yes. So, I've been so kudos. Every day, but I'm the one watering it. So, <laughs> yeah, she has too. She's well as wet. Um, so, yeah. I'm assuming she's been watering it. Oh, nice. Uh, somebody has. So, somebody's doing their Girl Scouts, huh? Eek, somebody. That's impressive. Somebody, <laughs> right? Uh, what's been happening since I've been gone? What's been happening indeed? I don't know. Life has been trucking along, you know? Nothing special? Nothing special. I got my second shot. My son got a second shot. My son turned 17. I mean, life is moving on. Things oh, are going. I forgot. May 10th, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I totally what forgot. The ever-living hell is up with that. I'm having some serious issues with it. I'm just saying. Are you? Not okay with 17. He's yeah. like almost a man, which is weird. <laughs> he can be drafted <laughs> next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what Kathy wanted to hear. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, Welcome exactly. back. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. I'm right behind you. I mean, June seventh. We're just in like a couple weeks. Yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. Part of. Yeah. It's. It's. I feel like we're in our last year. And yeah. I don't like I, that's, that. I don't like I don't, that at all. Me neither. I'd like to rewind about four years and just repeat. Because really, teenage years have been challenging, but they've also been really fun because we've been able yeah. to kind of relate uh, similarly, not the same. It's a very different kind of challenging than when they're little. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been really fun for the most part. Yeah. And uh, Georgia's my friend. I mean, not that I'm not her parent and that I'm not the, you know. Right. 
adult figure in the house, but she and I have a good friendship also, which I'm really grateful for. And I think I'm going to super miss it. I'll be stuck with Isla. <laughs> My doppelganger. <laughs> and we'll just butt heads for uh, two more years. Not really. She and I have actually been getting along great since the pandemic. I think the pan- pandemic did a lot of positive for Isla and yeah. negative, but um, yep. a little bit of both. A little bit of both. So funny. Um, you know, we read The Wife Upstairs mm-hmm. for a book club book. And Sandy's daughter, Kylie, had to read Jane Eyre for school. And she loved it. She kept, because I told her it's one of my favorite books. So she kept calling me, telling me what was going on in the book and, you know, saying, I think for sure that she's going to end up with, uh, what's this, Sinjin. She's definitely going to end up with Sinjin and she'll be fine. She'll be happy. And then of course she ends up with Mr. Rochester. She calls me and goes, I can't believe they got back together. It was amazing. And just went on and on about this book. And so she, of course, found the wife upstairs and sent me a picture and was super excited. And I was like, uh, don't bother. <laughs> Steer clear. It is not Hard the same. <laughs> she was so disappointed. She wanted to read it with me and discuss with me as a book club. And I was like, oh, girlfriend, I'm so sorry. Maybe we should move on to like far from the matting crowd or something. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, listen, think- we got a podcast that covers that. <laughs> don't <laughs> right? waste your time. Just listen to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. But it was really cute. It was really cute. That's funny. Uh, yeah. That's great. I- I think she wants to book club with me and her mom and with Georgia. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to do two book clubs? I can't possibly do two. <laughs> but um, but what a fun book club. I mean, Georgia oh, and Kylie are, are avid readers. And uh, I think Sandy likes to read. I don't know if she reads. I, I don't know if I'd call her an avid reader, but I know she enjoys reading a good book. Um, so maybe I'll have two book club podcasts <laughs> in my spare time. I mean, audiobooks are like a godsend, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah, are. They are. They you are. could take we could take a month off of our book club and you could do a book club with them so that you're not overrun with books and book clubs and oh, that's not lives. a bad idea. There you go. Maybe I'll think about that. I gotta find a good book for us to read with Kylie and Sandy and and Georgia. We'll see. Anyway. We are talking about time prejudice. Well, I want to talk about that on a totally different podcast. I actually was thinking about that and I was like, you know what? I should do what I did with the Vietnam podcast and talk about Vietnam in one podcast. I have a lot to say about Serbia and, uh, and about my experience there. And I felt like if we talked about that on this podcast, we would never get to the book. I literally have a lot to say about Serbia. Got it. Um, so we'll push pause on Serbia and circle back and do another podcast on that <laughs> one subject, which is a good idea. I'm going to write it down, actually. I thought about it while I was going to the bathroom two seconds ago. I was like, you know, maybe I should not because it's just going to be all we talk about. Um, but I'm happy to tell you about my trip, you know, but I don't want to tell you because then it ruins the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you don't have to tell us. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I'll probably do that one with Sandy since she's traveled so freaking much. Um, yeah. And, uh, but anyway, um, Pride and Prejudice. What did you think? Well, I think I realized that I had already read it. When yeah, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say it all came back to me once I started reading. I was like, oh, I do remember this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, did you, go ahead. Yeah, I love it. I mean, 
Love it. It's such a classic. And you realize, too, so many um, books and movies are based on it. Like, especially, it just reminded me of um, Bridget Jones' Diary when that came out. I loved the books and then I loved the movies. And that's 100% based on Pride and Prejudice. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, it is a good um, romantic I don't know if it's a comedy. I guess it is a romantic comedy somewhat, but. Um, Parts of it are just so silly. Like when you think about it, like it's just the whole, every part of it is just, just so ludicrous. It's fun, but I don't know. It's very silly. I think. And then it's fun. also so, so crazy, like such a sign of the times that yeah. their family could potentially be yeah. ruined because the one sister runs away with the guy. And you're like, like oh, there. honey. Yes. Like. <laughs> Right? I mean, (laughs) it's ludicrous for today, but I think it's really cool to see that window into what life used to be like. Um, I think that I love this book. I've read it. This is probably the fourth or fifth time I've read this book. Um, And I have to say the PBS series is almost verbatim the book, like almost verbatim. So if you don't want to read the book, you could watch the PBS like five episode Colin Firth. Yes, it's six episodes, about one hour each or 52 minutes each. I was going to watch that um, in preparation for this, but I ended up watching the Joe Wright movie with Kira Knightley, mm-hmm. which is not verbatim the book. It's it's quite a departure um, from the book, but it's, I mean, it's like quite a departure. It's not like a different book. Um, it's still the story. It's just a condensed version and then also in the movie version, um, Donald Sutherland plays the dad. And I was and he's like weepy all the time. And he's just like, oh, Lizzie. And mm. like on the verge of tears. And I was like, I don't remember the dad this way <laughs> yeah. at all. No, but the PBS version is, is actually how I kind of imagined these people to be. And then I saw, I read the book before I saw the PBS series and I was like, oh my God, they just downloaded my brain. It's just so beautifully done in, in a way that it's a real true kind of replication of her art. Um, I think what's interesting about reading, uh, what I was thinking about when I was reading this book was two things. One I should get to probably later, but um, I, I love the silliness. I love the glimpse into uh, another time, which is a time that predates our time, but some of it still stands. There's some like silly uh, male-female protocol that still happens today where you go, I can't believe this is still here. (laughs) I mean, this is ridiculous. And some of the personalities are so universal. And, you know, there's always someone who has a silly, ridiculous mom who talks too much and is inappropriate and embarrasses their kids. You know, there's always someone who's so stuffy who you misjudge and you think is an asshole when you really get to know them. They're really nice and really good person. Like all those themes are so universal and can be applied today. I think that's why her books have stayed relevant because those relationships are universal. The two sisters who get along who have three other sisters they don't relate to. I'm sure that's something that people can relate to in real life. Um, And, you know, the first time I read this book, I might've been a bit more naive. Because the first time I read this book, I was like, 
How were they going to get back together? Oh my God, she ended up with him? How did that happen? How were they going to fix it? Like I kept not being able to figure out how they were going to get it done. And part of it was because I didn't understand the times, like the era and the propriety that had to happen for things to be broken and for things to be fixed. So, you know, the second time and third time and fourth time I read the book, I was like, yeah, this seems a bit ridiculous. But the very first time I read it, it didn't. I kept reading the book. It was like a, a page turner where I kept going, how in the world are they getting out of this one? Like, <laughs> I know these two people are supposed to end up together, but they're so far apart. How do they fix it? And she just did. Uh, and it worked, right? And I believed it all, um, which I thought was really cool. Did any of you have that this time around or the first time around? <laughs> or is it just I have me? To say, <laughs> when I read it this time, I was thinking of you, Leanne, because I knew that this was your favorite book or one of your favorite books of all time. And I just, I found it really charming, like sort of like if you, you know, when you read one of your kids, like if your daughter says, oh, I love this book and you read it and you're getting a window into their, their mind. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was reading it as a window into your mind. And I was like, wow, it's just so fascinating to me because you're such a, like a hands-on um, defiantly not a girly girl. Like you're like, you know, contractor, build things like, you know, um, get shit done. And, um, this is, it's kind of a girly girl book, um, in a lot of ways, like, you know, it's, a, it's romance. And, and so I just found that really charming that I was like, Oh, this is so, it's just so such shows such a sweet side of Leanne. Oh, so that's, that's very nice. Yeah. That's all say. I was thinking about reading it. Well, I am a romantic. I think uh, I, I am. I'm a pragmatic romantic, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but I am kind of a romantic and, you know, you get in the rat race of life and you kind of forget to be that way sometimes you just just kind of goes to the wayside I mean I've never been like Romeo Romeo <laughs> romance but but I definitely I think what connects me to this book personally is that I relate to Lizzie you know I was never one to suffer fools lightly and I was always one to make a quick judgment based on someone's behavior as to whether or not I would be in love with that person I was always in a relationship and out of it very quickly because I was like, nope, that's not going to work. Nope, that's not going to work. And I think she's very much that way. No way, Mr. Collins. No way. And I was very much... <laughs> hard pass on Mr. Collins. Ooh. Hard pass. I was no part of me that was like uh, Charlotte, uh, what's her name, down the street. No way. I was definitely Lizzie. So I think I really connected to that character. And I wonder, too, sometimes... I read this book before I met Bert. Um, but I wonder too, sometimes not that Bert is Mr. Darcy, because clearly there's a lot of <laughs> Bert that's <laughs> not very Mr. Darcy. Reserved with his, um, emotions and with his demeanor. Uh, no, aloof, uh, what, what, uh, let's see, polished. No. Wondering what he's thinking. Um, no. No, I pretty much... <laughs> No, not so much. But there is a part of Bert that's very kind of like, um, he has a lot of integrity in a lot of ways. 
um, which is part of the reason I'm uh, we're together, is that we both really value kind of the same kind of ethics and morals and integrity. So even though he's not Mr. Darcy, I think there's part of Mr. Darcy that is Bert, um, or Bert is a little bit Mr. Darcy, just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I read this book before I, I met Bert, and I don't think I was looking for a Mr. Darcy exactly per se, but I definitely was looking for someone whose morals and ethics I could respect. And uh, I think by the end of the book, you really do find out that he he is a very good person with excellent morals. And um, that's really sweet. You said that was a window into me. <laughs> don't don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> I'm a softy. I'm like Isla. I mean, someone said to me something about Isla liking boys. And I was like, I don't know if she liked boys, but let me tell you this. She watched Bridget Jones' diary hiding behind a chair because she couldn't fully process the romance that was happening. She was lying on the ground with her head peeking out like this around the chair like this because she couldn't stand herself. She was shipping everybody constantly. I shipped them. I shipped them. I shipped them. And she couldn't process the romance of it. She just, if you watch Jane Eyre, she did the same thing. And that's kind of a much darker movie, but you want them to end up together in the end and she just can't help it. She can't handle it. Um, so I guess that's <laughs> a glimpse into her little brain. Too. That's so sweet. That's pretty cute. Um, anything specific about the book that you liked or didn't like? Any specific scene or? One of the things that I took me this time and I like to read a lot of these like books that are set in like an olden period. Mm -hmm. But part of what kept striking me was just the time frame in which all of this happened. Like that is so different than today. They're like, oh, he's not coming back for the winter. So you don't see someone for six months and that's like perfectly normal. Or we're going to go visit for six weeks. You're like, you don't go visit people for six weeks. God <laughs> forbid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why that struck me much more so like as such a discrepancy compared to today's world. Like that doesn't happen. Everything you're texting, all of this is immediate. You don't wait for the post to come and find out the letter like, and then dad didn't send one. I don't know what's happening. Like it's so, uh, I don't know. It's just really fascinating. And it would be really frustrating to be placed in that world today. Yeah, and that's so interesting because the timeline is so stretched out in that one sense. But then also when it comes to like um, meeting Mr. Um, Bingley, Jane and Mr. Bingley, it's like the mother is like, I expect them to be married in three months time. And it's like, oh, uh, they just met. <laughs> They're still at the first ball. Yeah. <laughs> they danced twice. Sure. But <laughs> well, like Charlotte Lucas says, you, right. she should leave him with no doubt of her feelings if she wants to secure him. And then Liz says, but even before she knows his character or who he is, she should make him believe he's in love with her. And Charlotte says, well, of course, how else is she going to make sure she secures him? It's like a business transaction. Yeah. All of it. And how the, you know, how the, I guess the system worked where uh, all of these five sisters are going to be just kind of out without a place to live when their dad dies is bizarre too. So there's so much pressure to get married to a wealthy person to take care of your whole family. I mean, how much would that suck for the guy? I mean, would you want Lydia at your house every day? 
pass. No thanks for Lydia and Kitty. They can stay home. I'm not sure I'd want Mary there either. But, or mom. Or mom. <laughs> yeah, but right? you know what? Mom is one um, who, upon this reading, as a mom, like I think the last time I read it, I was not a mom. And mom was just like so silly and so embarrassing and just so fixated on getting her daughters all married <laughs> off. It's so gross. But then thinking about it in that time frame now as a mom, you're like, oh my God, she's just, she just wants her kids to survive. Like she just wants to make sure they have a roof over their heads. They literally don't end up prostitutes in the big city or something because they're, they're going to be destitute when Mr. Collins takes over the house when, you know, when the father dies. And um, so that was, that was interesting. I mean, she still is silly and meddling and, you know, and all of those things, but like, I think this, as an older adult, I saw it more from, you know, just a pragmatic point of view that she's like, Oh dear God, I've got to make sure my kids are going to be okay when my husband dies. Totally. Totally. There's a lot of it. I mean, how creepy is Mr. Collins? Every time he shows up, I shudder. He's just gross. And then the guy, I apologize, whoever really played him in this PBS series. Oh my God. They cast him perfectly. If you haven't seen this, he has like a comb over and he's just, he just is, he creeps me out. So I didn't like him when I read the book the first time. And then when I saw him in that series, I was like, oh my God, he is so creepy. But one of my favorite I have several chunks of the book that's just such good writing. And one of it is when he proposes to her and she refuses him. And then he says, I understand that this is normal for women to refuse me. So I'll just be patient. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm saying no. And he goes, ah, ha, 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 I get it. You're just increasing my like passion by suspense. And she's like, no, 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 no. Let me one more time. <laughs> As I'm saying no, and he just can't, can't, that, that one moment in the book, I love. And then when, you know, she goes to her dad and the dad, the way Jane Austen writes is so humorous, I think, in that she says, you know, the dad says, you're faced with a terrible choice. From this day forward, you have to be a stranger to one of your parents. So if you marry Mr. Collins, if you don't marry Mrs. Mr. Collins, your mother will never speak to you again. If you do, I will never speak to you again. Oh, and then my I mom love just falls that. apart. Oh. It's so well written <laughs> and the language is so great and it's just so delicious. The payoff is amazing. He's always Mr. Mr. Uh shit, I just forgot their name. Mr. Um Bennett? Bennett? Yes, duh, Mr. Bennett. Sorry, jet lag. Mr. Bennett is just always getting Mrs. Bennett's goat constantly in this whole. I just think the characters are so well defined. They're five very distinct different sisters, mm -hmm. and all the adults are so well defined in the book and just juicy. I mean, Lady Catherine de Bourgh could not have been a juicier character. And then when she came, that was another scene that was one of my favorites always is when oh, she when, came to when, confront. Yeah. When Lizzie stands up to her and says, no, I'm not going to make any promises. Right. To you. Oh, that's so good. It is. <laughs> and, and I imagine back in that time period, that was so inappropriate and obstinate and outspoken. And what a, a, 
what a like what a voice Jane Austen gave to the women of her time to be able to vicariously live through this free-spirited, stubborn, strong-willed, opinionated, ethical young lady that's Lizzie Bennet, Elizabeth Bennet. And I think about that with both of those scenes is how liberating that must have felt to be a woman in that era to read those two scenes in particular and to say, you know, fuck yeah even though they wouldn't have said, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, those were awesome. And just the language is so, so perfect. Like, I don't know what you would change about one word in the whole book. It's just perfectly, there's no waste, I don't think. There may be a waste of like, we're going here again or we're going there again. But as far as like reading the book for dialogue and for what's happening, I never felt like, okay, come on. I understand. Let's get through this. No, actually, I I thought when I was reading it this time for a second, I checked out the copy. I was like, is this an abridged version? Because it is so like straight to the point. I was kind of like, I wonder if this is abridged. I was like, no, it's, it's not. This is, it's just the book. There's no fat on the bone. It's all meat. I found every time I read it, I feel that way. Um, I love her language. Like the first line of the book is so great. Um, yeah. Why are yeah, you laughing? I agree. Kathy? Yeah. Because oh, it's, it's, one of the it's best very lines. famous. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a large f- fortune must be in want of a wife. <laughs> I mean, now you know what the whole book is about. Yeah. Um, and it's a strong statement. And I mean, at the time, it probably was just a universally acknowledged statement. And then reading it now, it's such a different take on it that you're like, oh, really? Right? Yeah. But is it that different? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure that it is all that different. I don't think it is. I think they think any man that has fame and fortune must be looking for some kind of wife, token wife or something. Or some kind of wife is definitely looking for him. That's the truth. Yeah, some kind of wife is looking for him. But I th- I feel like now these like young rich guys play the field a lot longer. But but really, what she's saying is the impression of the neighborhood is yeah he yeah, must yeah. he must be in want of a wife. So I don't know how different that is. I mean, everybody wanted wants Brad Pitt to be married to somebody fantastic. You know, mm. it's such a fairy tale. Um, well, gosh, even Bill Gates, like they, um, Bill Gates oh, yeah. and Melinda just announced that they're getting divorced. And like all over social media, people are like, oh, interesting. Bill Gates is single or like, Melinda, <laughs> um, hey, hey, Melinda, I'm available. <laughs> right, right, right. Must be in want of a wife. Yeah. <laughs> So still only if you're wealthy, up. you must be in want. Only if you're wealthy. <laughs> if you're poor, no one cares. <laughs> right? That's so terrible. Yes, very terrible. If you're poor, they're like, ah, makes sense. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> I know I think all the time, if anything happened to me, Bert would have women lined up for him. And I think... 15 years ago, you should have been here. <laughs> it was not the same, not the same. Um, there was another line in here that I really liked. Um, it's later in the book. Um, it says, uh, so let me see what the context is. Elizabeth, um, I guess they're talking about Mr. Mr. Bennett's talking about Darcy at some point. And uh, she wrote, 
she blushed, meaning Elizabeth, and Jane blushed, but the cheeks of the two who caused their confusion suffered no variation of color. (laughs) And I thought, what a wonderful way to describe that moment. Two people were embarrassed, but the other two people didn't give a shit. (laughs) But she didn't say that. She said the cheeks of the two who caused their confusion suffered no variation of color. That's just so great. Why are you laughing at me, Kathy? You don't think it's that's funny? A- no, it's great. It is great, but it's just funny. Like no one would ever speak that way today. People no. would be like, "Yeah, they didn't give a shit." <laughs> you know? I know, but I like, like reading great. that. I yeah, like. No, I get it. I like that language. I feel like um, we've become so casual as as a people that it's it's really kind of a shame. I mean, there, I think there's parts of the casualness that's really positive, right? It's really great to be able to just speak freely and speak your mind. But, you know, I won't talk about this in depth much, but one thing I I noticed in Serbia is that everyone was dressed in clothes that had been pressed. Even if it was a t-shirt, there was no sloppiness. Everyone looked really put together. Even people that you knew probably weren't put together looked really put together. And part of me went, I kind of miss that in LA. I miss that in myself. I'm the first person to throw on a pair of sweatpants and a sloppy t-shirt and go to Trader Joe's. And I just walked around the city going, these people hold themselves very differently and they, they walk very differently. And, um, I don't know. I guess I was reading this book while I was in Serbia. And for some reason, I think those two ideas came together for me where I went, what a shame that we don't take more, we don't have some of that formality, even though, you know, wearing a nice pair of slacks is not particularly formal, but, but it is, it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, but that I agree with you, but I also, to play devil's advocate, it reminds me of a a part in the book um, when, um, Bingley's sisters, like, um, like, oh, Lizzie goes to, when, um, when Jane is at Bingley's, she's ill and she's, she is also just so funny. She goes to visit and then she like gets a cold and then she's and can't come home <laughs> suddenly living there being taken care of. It's just, it's so funny. The things that are like considered propriety versus now. I mean, can you imagine that like if Georgia, is at her boyfriend's house and then like gets a cold and like, Oh, she's just going to live in the guest room for the next week or so. Like (laughs) it's just so crazy. But then Lizzie goes to check up on her and she walks there. And then um, Bingley's sister is like, she's like, did you walk like here? And she's like, yes, I enjoy a walk. And then, you know, when she leaves the room, she's like, did you see the hem of her skirt is dirt in it like has she no propriety and um and it's just like oh wow like it, I don't know it's just the flip side that's just what it made me think of when you're talking about like dressing up that it's like then if everybody is dressed up then there's still judgment coming in somewhere um, right right that makes sense that makes sense there's judgment everywhere right yeah, all the time always judgment um yeah, that was something I noticed when I was in Serbia. I was like, wow, everybody here is like pressed. 
almost even the one or two homeless people I saw looked more put together than I did <laughs> in some ways. I marked something else. I did not travel with a highlighter, which uh, I really regretted, but I marked this other one for something too. Um, but anyway, yeah, all the ridiculousness with Mr. Wickham that was going on with, you know, them hiding in London, <laughs> not being married and ruining the family and and the kvetching that was happening with Mrs. Bennett and it's taken to her room. So many histrionics. I mean, I'm glad we don't have to deal with that these days, right? Why? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I read something about when I was uh, looking into doing my, doing my research, like as the self-appointed nerd of the group, um, <laughs> that the first um, title for this was First Impressions. And oh. it made me think about titles and how um, just, you know, how, how important it is to have like a snazzy title. Like Pride and Prejudice is just, I just can't imagine it being called First Impressions. It's like, eh, it's, and of course it is a book about first impressions, but it's really, it, Pride and Prejudice goes deeper on what those first impressions were. And it's just the alliteration and it's, you know, there's stronger words than first impressions. And you just wonder, would it have been as popular if it were called first impressions? Um, and it just made me think about titles in general. And there were two books that I read this fall, two memoirs. One was Hillbilly Elegy, which became a movie. Um, I haven't seen the movie version, um, but I've got to be honest, I was not a great fan of the book. I thought it was okay, but it just, I didn't think that it was really that well written. It wasn't as dynamic as I thought it could have been. And then there was another book, which, oh my God, I, I think it's called Heartland, maybe. Like Sarah something. Oh, I, I should have gotten my facts straight before bringing this up. I didn't think about it <laughs> until okay. now. But, um, but a woman, and it's also about the same um, the same group of people that um, he dealt with in, in Hillbilly Elegy. And I thought it was so much more interesting, better written. But again, like the, I guess this proves my point. The title sort of escapes me because it was sort of like Heartland or something that was a little bit more bland. Hillbilly Elegy, it's like you hear Hillbilly and you're like, oh, what's that about? That sounds like spicy. That sounds like dramatic. And I swear he got a book deal based on that title. Like, I think that title is not that, not that he didn't deserve a book. I, I don't mean that. I think, I think it was well done. I just don't think that it was when I see that it's like a bestseller and that it went on to have a movie, I was like, really? Oh, I, I didn't think it was that dynamic, but the title is so dynamic that I, you know, made me read it. It sold it, right? Yeah. It sold it. I read a Hillbilly Elegy. I have not read Heartland. I will have to read that. I loved Hillbilly Elegy only because I related to so much of what he talked about. Um, but I, now that you say that, I agree with you. It wasn't quite as dynamic as it could have been, maybe. I guess um, I just thought that he told more than showed that there were so many, like, the grandmother is such a dynamic character yes. and I wanted scenes with her. And so I can see how I, I have, again, I haven't seen the movie. Glenn Close plays the grandma. I'm sure it's very dynamic as scenes, but um, 
it just the book itself, it was like, yeah, she was disappointed. So she did whatever, instead of like showing a scene where she's like, fuck this shit, you know, and, and really getting into it. um, He just sort of, it it was a very remote telling um, to me. Um, And uh, the other one is, is a woman writing it's, it's written in second person. So she's talking to a you that doesn't exist. The whole book is like a letter to her unborn, not unborn, but never will be child. Cause she's decided oh. she's never going to have children because she sees the way that um, children are abused in, in poverty and how, how poverty is so horrible for them, how inescapable it is um, when you're of uh, this class in this place where people are having um, a lot of babies as teenagers and, and just all of the dysfunction that comes with that. And so she vows to never have a baby. And so it's told like you would be that, da, 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 I would be doing such and such. And it was just such a dynamic way of telling that, that it really made you think, Oh wow. Her entire life is changed based on, just being born poor, even though she gets an education, she's this amazing writer. She has made this dramatic life decision based on all the dysfunction that she grew up in. And um, yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. I've just derailed the conversation. No, no, different I, books. <laughs> I want to read that book now. That sounds like a great book. Um, if you hadn't already read it, we could read it for our next <laughs> book club. And if we knew the title of it, um, because I I'll look it up, I'll text you. I would love to read that book. That sounds really great. Um, I saw Hillbilly Elegy, the movie. I was really looking forward to it, and I was really disappointed. Um, Glenn Close was amazing in the movie. But, um, yeah, I, I, was, I was like, meh, okay. I, I wasn't really wasn't really my bag, that movie. But um, <laughs> speaking of my bags, this is totally off topic, but have either of you watched Yellowstone? No, no, but I hear it's great. Yeah, I heard it was good. It's insane. Okay, I had three days quarantine when I landed in Serbia, and I watched all three seasons. I could not stop <laughs> watching it. It is so good. I want you guys to watch that so I can talk to somebody about it. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's seen it, and I'm like, I need to talk to somebody. Are we going to podcast about Yellowstone? <laughs> I could totally do that. I mean, it is... It is like Dallas. Oh, God. It is like Dallas meets the Sopranos. It's really, really good. And it's beautifully shot. It's in, the actors are amazing. And they're perfectly cast. And I, there were some episodes where I was literally hiding under my covers because I couldn't watch what was happening. Um, okay, Isla. I was, right? <laughs> we are related. No, I, I mean, I was watching like this. Oh my God, 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 oh my God. I just couldn't, I couldn't. It's very violent. Um, it has a little bit of sex, but not really as much sex as just sheer violence and just corruption. Like every person, it's like Dallas. Every person is fucked up. There's not one normal person in this whole show. Not one person is like, oh, that's a really good guy. No, the really good guy actually murders everybody. Like my favorite person has murdered like 15 people. 
but he actually is a really good guy. He just keeps murdering people. It's so well done. And I posted about it. And then I found out like 5 million people watch each episode. It gets like 5 million downloads per episode. That's huge. Is it Netflix? I got it on iTunes, but I had to buy the season. So it's like 20 bucks for the season. I think that it's on Paramount Plus. Oh, got it. Um, or something else like that. What are you laughing at? I'm just laughing because I, sorry, what was that, Halston? Paramount. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm laughing because I just literally had a conversation with my kids yesterday about, we were talking about John Ritter, the actor, mm-hmm. and um, about Three's Company. And um, I said to Richard, like, did you watch Three's Company? I'm like, of course you did. Like, you know, everybody, even if you didn't watch it, you were aware of it because there were only three channels (laughs) back then. And I said something like to the kids, well, in our day, and Vivian's like, oh, you know, it's not going to be good when she says it in our day. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, I've officially become an old person who's talking about, well, in my day, there were only three (laughs) channels but it is so different now that it's like there's no with so many different platforms I mean there are platforms that somebody was talking about like Tubi or something and I thought it was like a Saturday Night Live invented network <laughs> like a joke network yeah, like yeah it just sounded so crazy and it was like oh no that's a network and there's like there's just like a million platforms so you can't possibly keep up on everything there's no way it's like, even back in the day, if you didn't, like, I never watched a single episode of Dallas, what? but I could tell you a whole bunch of the characters and their storylines just from like being in the, you know, Zeitgeist. the newspaper. Yeah. Exactly. You just absorb it. And, um, you know, the same thing, like if somebody wasn't into sitcoms, they would probably know about Mrs. Roper from Three's Company and Jack Tripper and Suzanne Summers, you know, and all these it's just such a different world. Um, so anyway. <laughs> it is a different world. I was saying that same exact thing when uh, I was talking to Bert's cousin, Andrew, who's quite a bit younger than me. He's he's not, I mean, he's, I guess he's, I don't know how old Andrew is, probably his late 20s. So he definitely is part of the cable kid generation. And I was like, you don't understand with Dallas. I said the same thing. You had three options for a TV show or your PBS, local PBS station. So really four. And there's nobody on the planet who didn't talk about who shot JR. When JR got shot, it was like the world stopped. I think that was one of the biggest, highest watched shows was the first day back after he got shot. Because everybody wanted to know who shot him, right? And of course, they drew it out for like four episodes. And you're like, are you kidding me? Who shot JR? But my grandmother, there was T-shirts, who shot JR? Everybody was all about that show. Um, And I get really sad thinking we don't have anything like that because it created a community, right? It's kind of like going to church, except everybody was on ABC, CBS, or NBC. That's it. Uh, Everybody watched Johnny Carson, Everybody. Was there even any other late-night options until Letterman came around? I don't think so. I think it was the late show, you know, where they'd show a movie late at night against Johnny Carson. And Johnny Carson made or or made people's careers and broke them. But 
that doesn't exist anymore either. It's really kind of sad because we can't all have a common conversation about one of the best shows that has ever been made, which is called Yellowstone, which neither of you have watched <laughs> nor anyone else I know. I keep looking. It's anybody. Talk to me about this show. And everybody keeps texting me like I posted about it on Instagram and people keep commenting. I can't believe you just found it. Is it uh, old? Yeah, there's, it's, it's three seasons. Season oh, yeah. four comes out in June. Huh. Never so, even heard of it. You've never even heard of it? No, I mean, not until like fairly recently. Yeah, like, yeah. Certainly not like first or second season, that's for sure. No. And Kevin Costner's awesome. You know, anything he does is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. Have you shown your kids uh, Dances with Wolves? I'm not sure if they've seen it or not. I think Max has watched it. That's one I keep meaning to watch with my kids. It's, uh, I don't remember. On my my kids have only recently become open to watching old <laughs> movies. <laughs> back in the day, back in your day movies. <laughs> I know. And like, I don't think of Dances with Wolves as an old movie. Like I think of, I think Casablanca is an old movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I famously made them watch um, Miracle on 34th Street um, when Christmas we were, they're really into Christmas movies. And I thought, oh, that's one that I've never seen before. It's a classic. A lot of people talk about watching that every year and it's black and white. So, you know, there was, <laughs> there was that for these kids and they were just like, this is ridiculous. Like they just found it completely unwatchable. <laughs> and afterwards, one of the kids, I mean, it was quite a few years ago and God, I, I'll have to dig up the quote of them, but it was like, it, they was talking about like, you know, your old black and white movies from your day. And <laughs> they were just, and I was like, it's from like the thirties, like it's from like before your grandparents were born. Like, you know, this, this is an old movie. Um, but they, they equate like the old movies, like the movies that I watched in the eighties also. Like the matrix. Like that, right? Yeah. Like and the I'm matrix. Like, There's like 55 years in between these movies. Like <laughs> <laughs> couple generations between them. I know I made a list of old movies that I wanted my kids to watch. And then someone gave us that poster. I think I've told you, what are you laughing at? <laughs> what? Just, um, <laughs> oh my goodness. She's obviously listening in. Um, and she said, oh, go to your notes section. You wrote down my quote about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks, Camille. Would you like to be on camera? Come on that in. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is really funny. That's funny. <laughs> She's clearly listening in. Is she leaning against the door? <laughs> yeah, Camille, it's not in that section. Yeah, thanks for your feedback, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Oh All right, go God. ahead. <laughs> so I made a list of old movies I wanted the kids to watch, like Forrest Gump and Shawshank Redemption and, you know, movies like that. And then we got this poster for Christmas that's like uh, 100 movies, 100 must-watch movies. And we've been kind of clicking those off. But Dances with Wolves is not on that. Um, there's several movies where I go, really? It's not on that? We have the same poster and there are some movies on there that I'm like, really? How did this get on here? Cause I don't really care about this movie at all. Oh, I'm same. dying to know what's on this list. Uh, there's a lot of Stanley Kubrick. 
Yeah. It's very Stanley Kubrick heavy where I'm like, do I really need to watch The Shining and A Clockwork Orange and Space Odyssey 2001 and Stanley Kubrick and Stanley Kubrick? Like, <laughs> I'd rather it be, I mean, I get it. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's a great filmmaker. I completely agree that those movies are great. But if I never see A Clockwork Orange again, it will be too soon. That movie was disturbing. And I don't see, uh, like, the cinematography of it and the styling of it was so very of the day that that's pretty cool. But I don't really need to see a girl like gang raped again ever and her, her sweater cut open and I, I don't need to see that. So if someone said, what's your top 100 movies, that would not be on it. Um, and there's a lot of movies, I agree, on that poster where I, I'm like, what? And not even because I'm trying to watch with my family. It's clearly a male-driven top 100, I believe. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's no, no, I don't even think Bridget Jones' Diaries on there, and I think that's one of the best romantic comedies ever. Um, but there are a lot. I, I don't think Dances with Wolf was on there. And I was like, how do you leave that movie? I won so many Best Picture. I mean, so many. It won Best Picture, <laughs> but it won so many awards, including Best Picture. Um, I don't know. I'm very suspect of that poster. <laughs> very suspect. Um, so I, uh, dog fight. Um, <laughs> oh, no. So I've been trying to get um, Lily and Isla. Isla watched the uh, six hour Pride and Prejudice marathon oh, with me. And she thought it was one of the best things she's ever done in her life she loved it so much and she keeps wanting to do it with Lily and Dakota but she's afraid they will not like it so she's scared to, to suggest it on like a mega sleepover weekend Lily would love it I think Lily would love it too she so totally love it I'm gonna have to encourage her to have a little because that will be the only way Isla Kreischer will read Pride and Prejudice <laughs> will be if she watches the BBS series she may listen to the audiobook but mm -hmm. Anyway, well, thank you for reading that book with me. I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it this time around? Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah. I just, I forgot about it. Like, I haven't read it in uh, decades, literally. So. Yeah, me too. It's, it's good been... to go back. And... Yes, it is. It's good to revisit things. Mm -hmm. So for our next book club book, I have nothing. I was looking at... Um, it's not that I have nothing. I was interested in this one book, and then I realized Reese Witherspoon is doing a book club with that book. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that because not that I'm in any way competing with Reese Witherspoon. Don't get me wrong. But I felt like we should, I, somebody else could get that content somewhere else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so, so, any I suggestions? A, I got a DM from um, a podcast listener um, who recommended a memoir called I'm Just Happy to Be Here. She said it's about addiction struggles, emotional intensity, but it, she's a brilliantly bitter writer. She thinks that we all might love it. Hmm. Um, so that's one recommendation. But I also had to mention, she also mentioned in this, the reason that she reached out was that, remember we read Made? Yes. <laughs> Which we weren't as much a fan of. Um, apparently it is now a Netflix series and it was filming literally next door to her the house Whoa. next door had yeah, filming cool. and she messaged me and said you're never going to believe what's shooting next door to me that's crazy <laughs> yeah that is isn't crazy. that amazing so that's um Sophia a listener 
Um, you know what's funny? I didn't enjoy that book, but that book has stuck with me a little bit. There's mm-hmm. been one where I go, huh, she made it. Like she made it to Montana. Yeah. Um, I keep, I think about that one part of it is that she got out of her situation and she made it to where she really wanted to be. That's come back to me several times. So as much as I didn't think it was a great book, it stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just happy to be here. And there's another one I saw. Let me look. I'm going to go on my phone really quick. While you're on your phone, I agree um, that made has stuck with me. I've been sort of reconsidering my opinion of that book. I wonder if it just was, I wonder if the timing of it was off for us in some way. Um, Because I've, I've also thought about it and thought, wow, that's, I just can't. I mean, I guess I can't imagine because I've read the book, but you know, we just live such different lives. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I think at the time I thought she, it was very redundant and repetitive and a little whiny, Mm. but we had just, I think recently read Miss Pat's book. I think it was hard to go from Miss Pat to that and, and have any kind of like, um, you know, (laughs) I think we were a little, uh, strongly opinionated about Miss Pat's book. Well, I can't find it. It's like, uh, I think it's called like, listen to what I say. Let me see if I can find it. Something about what I say. Uh, and I thought that's interesting. Of course, it's not coming up. I'll find it as soon as we're done <laughs> podcasting. But let's look up. I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here the book. Oh shit. It gave me a t-shirt that says, I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) That's not what I was looking for. Any other suggestions? No, I'm not chiming in because I have the loudest dogs in town right now. There's someone in our backyard and, um, there's a lot of barking. Uh, a memoir of renegade mothering. That's what it says. I'm just happy to be here. Mm-hmm. So it's a refreshingly raw, contrasting perspective on the foolproof idea of motherhood. Um, tells the story of her finding her way home and then actually staying there. Uh, drawing us into the wild, heartbreaking mind of the addict. She carries us from motherhood at 21 with a man she'd known three months to cubicles and whiskey-laden domesticity from judging meth addicts and rehab to therapists who seem to pull diagnosis out of a large, expensive hat. With warmth, wit, and searing BS detectors turned mostly toward herself, she invites us to laugh when we probably shouldn't and to rejoice at the unconventional redemption she finds in desperation and in a misfit mentor who forces her to see the truth of herself. Mm -hmm. I'd be into it. What about you? Sure. Yeah. Okay, I'll send you a book. Do you like that I send you a book? I love it. It's always fun when it shows up. Yeah. Like I never really expect it. And then it just shows up and you're like, oh, yay. I have a new book. book. Okay. I'll send that book. We can read that. Of course. Um, What else should we talk about, ladies? Anything else? It's only been an hour. Wowzers. I mean, it's hard to talk about a book that like we all like, right? 
It is hard to talk about a book that we've, <laughs> it's kind of a universal book, but, but I'm yeah. glad we read it. I'm, I'm glad yeah. we read it. And maybe I'll see if Lily and Isla want to, um, oh, I know what we can do. Halston, can you come back on? I want to watch the PBS miniseries. I've never seen it. I have it on DVD. Oh, nice. And I have it, uh, I have it. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> do we Wait, come back? a DVD player is the question. <laughs> there you are. So, uh, what'd you do this week? I got double engaged. Wait, what does that mean? (laughs) So, on Christmas, Brooke proposed to me. Uh Uh-huh, I remember. Yes, so she, for the people that don't know, she uh, woke me up on early Christmas morning and then um, took me on a scavenger hunt, which is how my mom used to give us um, presents when we were kids. And I was really like doing that and it was really fun. And then she made it a forgetting Sarah Marshall themed scavenger hunt, which is like one of my favorite comedy movies. And, um, and then the last clue was to this little box right here that says, will you marry me? And then she got down on one knee and proposed to me. And then I said, yes. And um, little did she know that after my grandma first met her she gave me my great great grandmother's ring after the first time she met her so she like had it with her at the restaurant we we met at and um that was like three and a half years ago so I've had this ring at my dad's house in Oregon and um she had no idea so after she proposed to me, I was in contact with my sister and she was going to the jewelry place and she, and I wanted to get this ring, uh, reworked and, um, made it like a little more modernized. And, uh, cause it was like, it's like from the 1800s, probably, I mean, my great, great grandma gotta be in the 1800s. So, um, we took the big stone out and I put it right in the middle And it's very special for Brooke because she loves um, family heirlooms and like she's really big into family that way. So um, I I had this ring waiting. And so I planned this trip to Oregon, finally see my family for the first time since the pandemic started. I've been dying. I've been so homesick. It's been brutal the last few months. And uh, once that two weeks post-vaccination happened I was like going home I gotta see the baby gotta see the family but I also planned a beach trip to Cannon Beach which is this beautiful beautiful beach which is with this um super iconic giant rock that's right off the shore and I think it's been in a bunch of movies I've probably seen pictures or something but um it was really cool so we went we went to that beach trip and I brought my family with me and I made sure we had a nice camera there and uh, she had no idea. So we're going down the beach. We're scouting out locations and like, it was so perfect because first of all, there was an 80% chance of rain, which we almost backed out on that trip. Um, The beach is usually packed and there's so many people there always. It's Mother's Day weekend, so I wasn't sure how that was going to look. And we get there, clear blue skies. Nobody's around. 
So we scouted out locations near this giant rock to have this like epic background. And um, I found the perfect spot. And then we got the, we got the shot and got down on one knee. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to outdo your proposal, but I can't give you this ring without asking you first. Then I got down on one knee and said, will you marry me? Congrats. That's exciting. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think Halston would like Pride and Prejudice, too. He's a romantic. <laughs> he might. He might uh, be a Mr. Bingley. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, my mom and sister raised me on romantic movies and all that stuff. So that's, I'm used to that more that, you know, I saw Die Hard for the first time last year. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's where I am on like the romantic comedies versus action movies. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, congratulations, double, yeah. double engaged. Yeah, I just thought that it was really cool, you know. And I, I know that deep down, like, I think every girl wants to be proposed to, you know, in a nice, thoughtful way. And so when she took that away from herself, even though she knows how special it is and how unique it is to propose to the guy, I think you know she just didn't want it to be proposed to. So, of course. So, um. What better time to to do it than in front of my family and the Pacific Northwest, which is where she's from as well. It was just it was it was perfect. It was perfect. And um, now she's going to be in Washington for the next like five months and I will be here. And she's got that sweet ring. uh, (laughs) Yeah, we've got a We got a shot of it, too, which we weren't really able to get when she proposed to me. She had a little because it was so secretive. She had a little hidden camera set up on her laptop that was going, but you know, it wasn't like a professional shot. And uh, I think she really wanted to have like a nice Instagrammable moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you got one. We got it. You got it. I saw it. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I'm so happy so for you exciting. guys. Yes, it is. When's the wedding? November? Um, we're actually not sure. I mean, pandemic is still going on and um a lot of weddings were pushed off for over a year so there's just a lot of different factors going on right now with that but we're really happy to stay engaged and uh just enjoy it for the time being and you know save up it's it's like less stressful if we can just kind of take our time with it and just really enjoy being engaged and um we were like you know, maybe we should push it even further and just try to go to Hawaii for our five-year anniversary instead of like really penny pinching for the next year and a half. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're thinking about some things. So awesome. Yeah, it's just it's exciting. It is very exciting. You have lots of options. Lots yes, of you options. Do. Yes, definitely. And plenty of time. Yeah. yeah. Lots of options, plenty of time. Take your time, enjoy it. I had a fast engagement, two and a half months. <laughs> oh. Yes. Wow. For certain, yeah. Shotgun wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was a shotgun. And my uncle came with a shotgun. <laughs> so we have an awesome picture of me and my dad and Bert and the preacher with a shotgun. Where my dad has a shotgun. That's awesome. It is pretty awesome. I've got to find that picture. We used to have it framed. And up in our living room. And then we thought, I think George is going to 
figure out what this means. <laughs> and we haven't really told her. And, uh, you know, I mean, she's not why we got married. He already had the ring and we were already going to get married anyway. But just the timing of it was such that, you know, yeah, we got engaged in September and we got married in December. So I guess three months, September, October, November, December. Yeah, three months, three month engagement. I don't recommend it. <laughs> it was very hard to plan a wedding in three months. It was very difficult. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, we've been engaged for like over four months now, almost five. And um, I'm still like shocked about the proposal. I'm still like very fresh and like processing it even. Like I'm a guy who never really, I never thought about my wedding. I never thought about getting engaged and I was just starting to kind of get there in my head after kind of going through a brutal divorce with my parents and um and I've been very like focused on my goals and my life and um until I met Brooke I didn't think that there was going to be anyone else involved and so to go from one being against marriage and being against it completely to actually like turning the corner on that and like really believing in her and us. And, um, it's, it's a lot to process for me. And, um, I think you have said before Leanne that, uh, I was going to wait until my career was in a certain place and that I was comfortable enough to, to do that. And that's just kind of the person that I am. And I think that you're right. I was going to wait another two years. <laughs> so that was my plan. Cause I did have the ring and, uh, I don't know what, what timeline I was working off of, but you know, she got in there and was like, you know what? I want this. So I'm going to shoot my shot. And like, I don't know when she proposed to me, it was like, so cool to feel that somebody loves me that much that they would like that they would really put it all out there and go hey do you want to marry me (laughs) we've been together for over four years at that point and um I think you should know I think you should know at that point whether or not you're going to be together so I have a long time four years is a long time yeah yeah I have no plans on on breaking up with her. <laughs> You've both been vetted. You've been vetted, <laughs> yeah, thoroughly. Years, you've been vetted thoroughly. thoroughly. Uh, I think it's great. Thanks for sharing yeah. that story. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Super excited. Congrats. One last question, then let's wrap it up. What did you guys do for Mother's Day? That question's not for you, Halston. <laughs> <laughs> What'd we you do? Don't, don't all talk at once. Um, we went on a hike. Um, my uh, family has been, we took on the 52 hike challenge this year. We're trying to do, so, you know, it's one one hike a week, um, which isn't a lot, except for it is if you have like, if you plan anything at all, or like kids have projects or homework to do on the weekend, it, um, or there's weather, like all of a sudden it's like, I mean, we don't have to worry about rain, obviously, but like, um, we're sort of trying to plan ahead to the summer when they're, they're probably going to be a bunch of weeks where we don't want to hike in hundred degree weather. Right. Um, 
So, um, yeah, so we went on a nice hike um, to uh, Owl Trail in La Cañada. Mm. Um, it was very pretty and um, a lot That's of That's nice, nice yeah. Mother's Day. What about you, Kath? Um, it was really relaxing. Um, we um, had breakfast on the beach. Um, it was really overcast and chilly, but there was not many people there. It was just really relaxing. Um, both kids were in really good moods. Like I was worried because Max is not a morning person, um, but he knew that this is what we were doing. So, uh, you know, and we just played cards on the beach and just hung out for a while. Um, and then it was just a relaxing day. I got to read my book. <laughs> um, and then, I, you know, Stephen made uh, Lenore and I a fantastic dinner. It's just relaxing. It was fun. It was That's really awesome. Fun. Yeah. That's great. So, well, I was in Serbia <laughs> and I woke up with Bert and I was like, so today's Mother's Day. And he went, oh yeah. So anyway, we're going to be doing blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. And then a, a little bit later, someone else said, so happy Mother's Day, Leanne. And he went, oh, that's what you were saying. Oh, today's Mother's Day. And I was like, yeah, today's Mother's Day, you ninny. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't. I just didn't think about it. I, it just didn't hit me the right way. So, so my kids usually make me breakfast in bed for Mother's Day. I've asked for a do-over. This is the first Mother's Day I haven't been with my kids. And I was like, I'll have a do-over next Sunday. I'll have breakfast in bed. So I'll have mine next week. That's all they ever do for me, breakfast in bed, and then I'm on my own for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I still do dishes and laundry and whatever, uh, but at least I get breakfast in bed. I get the Winston Churchill. That's what we're calling that now, the Winston Churchill breakfast right. in bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for reading. So our next book club book, I'm Just Happy to Be Here, and I'll send you a copy. Thanks for always having a suggestion, Kirsten. You always have my right. back. Um Kathy just is dead weight. We just drag her. I know. <laughs> just kidding. It's uh, so true. It's not true at all. Not at all. Um, oh, boy. But thank you, ladies. So this is May. So sometime in June. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm gone for like three weeks in June. So we may have to do it early in June. Just so you know. Uh, I have to cool. bank. Oh, we're, we're going to Montana. And then we're going to see my dad. So back to back. So I'll be gone for almost three weeks straight. So we may have to record it earlier than it's released. So so can you be ready by tomorrow? <laughs> it's like in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll record it tomorrow. Perfect. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> I would probably have to be sincerely like the first week in June. Um. Well, thank you. And I can't wait to tell you about my Serbia trip. And, you know, we can also pause and talk about other things if we want to. But <laughs> I don't want to because then it'll blow it for the podcast. So never mind. I can't anyway. wait to hear all about it. I guess it's, I'll listen yeah. to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who said you wouldn't be on it? Um, all right. Well, thank you, ladies. Have a lovely day. And uh, I can't wait to be in studio with you soon. Look at my great studio. Did you see my dad put my neon sign up? It's exciting. Oh, good old Amazing. Jimmy. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll, t I'll see you soon. All right. Have a good day, ladies. Bye. Right, bye. 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 You got a brand new I think that we should.